Welcome to the Emerald Sport Podcast. Singing my brand new song, Reincarnation, I am Ordo, and he's starring in the latest movie called Arrow of Destiny, Cardwiz. Build an army, trust no one, except for us. This is the Emblem Support Podcast, and finally, finally, we are back to discuss our lives as Japanese pop stars and movie stars. But before we move on to that, what have you been playing recently? Well, uh, as far as what I've been playing recently, um, the PlayStation basically had a new had a sale, and Thirteen Sentinels was off, and I was just like, "Well, should I get yeah. this game?" And then my followers proceeded to bully me into buying it. So uh, yeah, I've, I'm just in kind of some of the some of the character prologues for it right now. Um, that's pretty much it. And um, if you're interested in my Yakuza journey. Uh, since we last recorded, I've beaten Yakuza 3, and I've beaten Yakuza 4. And uh, I gotta say, Yakuza 3 is a slog, but Yakuza 4, mm, love it. <laughs> How about you, Cardwiz? I It's been so long since we've been able to sit down and record. I might have beaten 13 Sentinels then, since then, and I absolutely 100% love that game, and will shout from the rooftops for everyone to play this game. It's my favorite, one of my favorite PlayStation exclusive games of all time, but PlayStation never really promoted that game, which is a weird thing for them. So I'm just like, I'm, I will shout from the rooftops. I will shout from this podcast. Play 13 Sentinels. It's one of my all-time favorite stories of all time. It's so much fun to experience. But that was on a sale time. a lot. It, it has been on sale a lot. It, I, that's, uh, I'm okay with that because I need more people to buy it and play it. I need more people. It's one of my all-time favorite games, and it's one of my all-time favorite stream games. I love just popping into someone's stream and just watching them experience the madness of that story for the first time. It is so delightful, and because of the way the story plays out, and the way you can sort of bounce around the story, you can experience it in different ways and have different interpretations of things, depending on what order you see things, and it's so good. I can't wait for you to experience it. Yeah, so uh, currently I'm just like in the... In the um precursor or not precursor the uh prologue. tutorial phases prologue yeah that's the word i can't remember words it's been too long card was but yeah i'm in uh i'm in the prologue stages for uh, a few of the characters so i haven't really gotten to experience all of the game yet yeah so you will get there you will get there and we will have crazy conspiracy theory level discussions about what the heck is going on there in our off time or maybe upon twitch.tv slash card where i myself have been playing a game I never, ever thought I would see on the shores translated fully. The Great Ace Attorney Chronicles. <laughs> I don't know if I've mentioned on this podcast before. I love the Ace Attorney series. It is one of my all-time favorite series, along with Fire Emblem and Persona and a bunch of other series I absolutely love. Maybe I just love a lot of video games. But Ace Attorney, The Great Ace Attorney, is the Ace Attorney game set in London in the days of Sherlock Holmes. I that's we couldn't really ever see that because Sir Arthur Conan Doyle's estate is very mean and didn't want the character of Sherlock Holmes to be in this game. But thankfully, through the power of translation, we it has been brought to the shores with its amazing, original, completely 100 percent original character, Herlock Sholmes. Not the same guy. Not the same guy. Not one bit the same guy. And I'm having so much fun j just playing it for myself and just voice acting and doing weird, dumb stuff on Twitch with it. It is so much fun. I love this game. 
Yeah, definitely go check him out. Twitch.tv slash Cardwiz. I'm also on Twitch.tv slash Plan Ordo. Um, I haven't done anything in the past couple of weeks, so you're you're more active than I am. And we will talk a little bit more about our Twitch channels later on in the podcast when we get to the conclusion, the long-awaited conclusion of the Path of Radiance playthrough. Which I am greatly looking forward to. <laughs> I'm really glad it is done. Uh, it, it is a weight off our shoulders that we we love it. Not this is not a slight against the game. We love this game, but this recording this episode has been cursed. It started back in April. We were like, it was literally like I want to say April fifteenth. I was like, oh yeah, tart card was two days. We'll go ahead and get this bad boy done. I got sick on the sixteenth, and then uh, you and I were basically just not available um, during the month of May, and then there was internet troubles between you and I connecting on the, <laughs> during the month of June, um, July, there's some personal stuff happening. Uh, and so here we are at August. <laughs> I'm just like, wow. Okay. But, um, you know, as far as, as far as that goes, um, I think we have, or I think I have like four or five regular episodes already drafted for what we're going to do. It just depends on, um, you know, we got to discuss what the contents of those episodes are. Cause all I have is a title. I just sat down the other day. I'm just like, well, let me write down at least five or six different titles for some episodes so we can have some things to brainstorm about. And then, um, as far as the support logs are, um, new, new smaller series that just talks about supports that maybe not, maybe not actually fit in a real episode. I think I have four or five of those drafted up as well. So we got a lot coming in the future. We just got to get back on the um, recording train. So if we sound a little bit rough or whatever, um, it's cause it's been so long since we've actually been able to like sit down and record stuff. Uh, yes. It's been far too long. My friend, I, I, it's been so long. I just want to talk about all the games I've been playing. There's so many that I want to talk to. I've gotten onto the Yakuza bandwagon. I finally finished like a dragon, which was outstanding. I loved it so much. I want that series to just be a turn-based RPG forever from now on, because I don't like the action as much. Although, I've also been playing Judgment, which is the Yakuza spinoff, which is seems to be taking the place as the action game, and I've been enjoying it a lot, mainly because I put it on easy mode, but I am loving it so much because of all the detective stuff, the story, the characters. Ah, There are just so many games that I love and want to talk about, but it's time to put a pin in it and talk about one that we both wanted to talk about, and one that has a little bit more to do with Fire Emblem, kind of, sort of, loosely. Yeah, now we did actually talk about this before when it was first announced, but it really wasn't like a, um, I don't know how you say, like a concrete real look at the game. It was just kind of a, oh, this was announced, let's kind of talk about it. But uh, we're going to be talking about um, Tokyo Mirage Sessions Encore Edition for the Nintendo Switch, which was actually originally released um, as just Tokyo Mirage Sessions uh, back on 2016 for the Wii U. Uh, the classic system with all of the classic games that is just covered in dust in the corner of my room that I'm probably not going to play again unless I really want to play a virtual console game that I don't want to pirate. Yeah, that that's really unfortunate. Um, actually, you know what? Before we go there, I will say they actually announced, and I know it's kind of messing up the flow here, but uh, on the... Was it like with the 3DS and the Wii U, they recently announced that um, I think coming up soon, you're not going to be able to add funds to your account anymore? Yes, you will not be able to. 
uh, directly deposit from like your your credit card with that, but I think you'll still be able to like buy the prepaid Nintendo cards and then put your funds on there and buy through that. So the store the store isn't shutting down; it's just shutting down one method of payment. Right. So if you have a Wii U, um, the Fire Emblem games that are actually available on there are Fire Emblem. 2000, which is the 2003 game with Lynn, Hector Elliwood, Sacred Stones, and uh, Shadow Dragon, as well as, of course, this version of Tokyo Mirage Sessions, which I would actually just say don't bother with. Go with the Encore version for the Switch. But uh, yeah, uh, just wanted to put that out there in case you wanted to play those games. Just a bone of contention because I just want to poke at the Wii U. Just like the, the, the design of that console, was, it should have had it should have had so many more DS games and it has a, it has a very good virtual library, the best virtual library Nintendo's put together. But the fact that it do, didn't utilize the second screen of the Wii of the Wii U and have more DS games is a real disappointment. Just a random thing. I just wanted to throw out there because I will rant about things like that. Yeah. Yeah. But anyways, back to uh, good old Tokyo Mirage sessions. Shop FE encore. I have to say, I love this game. Replaying this, replaying the encore version of this game, I was just like, well, I might not like it before because I'm seeing all the twists and turns of the story coming along. But no, I loved it just as much as I did before. The only thing I can probably say is that because um, when, I, when I initially played this on the Wii U, I was not very versed in the Shimigami Tensei or uh, Persona, which I know separate series, whatever. I don't really care about that, but I wasn't really like versed in that and their battle system and their spells and stuff. And even with fire emblem, I was still a little shaky. I wasn't exactly an expert in it, but because I played persona four, persona five, and I've played, you know, much more fire emblem since then, the game was just a little bit easy for me on the normal mode. Yes. I, I played this on the normal mode because I just, I wanted to get through it for the podcast and I had already played it once before on the Wii U back in the day. But <clears throat> I will say this game has one of my all-time favorite battle systems. It is truly, it is like an evolu- a slight evolution from the uh, standard Tokyo Mirage Sele- Session slash uh, Persona battle system with all the elements of the fire, lightning, and the weaknesses and adding on to attacks because of it. But because of this system is slightly different because it lets you just completely chain attacks over and over and over again. It is such a fun and satisfying system to put together. Not just like in-game, but like when you're selecting the attacks you want to learn, you can sort of picture in your head, if you know your character's attacks, how will this chain with this? How will this chain with this? Oh, if this person attacks from this spot, it's... it's at, if you want to get really deep and strategic with it, you really can. But if you want to just put things together against a wall, you'll still get really good chains of attacks, and it'll be really fun. Uh, it is an outstanding battle system. That's the biggest shining thing I could I will say about this game. The battle system is top notch. I think it's similar enough, and go ahead and tell me I'm wrong about. I think it's similar to uh, Shimigami Tensei's press turn system. But again, I barely even know what that is. So uh, yeah, completely uninformed opinion on that. But uh, if you, even if you know like what your enemy characters are, you can also like plan ahead as well. And I'll use like I think he's the third boss, um, Gangrel. So 
in Fire Emblem Awakening, uh, Gangrel has a sword, and it's a magic sword called the Leaven Sword. And what he'll do with the Leaven Sword is that it can e- he can either attack you up close, and of course, you know, that's just your generic slash attack, or he can attack you from a distance with lightning. So when I'm looking at my character of Gangrel in this game, I'm like, okay, because I played Fire Emblem Awakening, and I know he comes from there, I automatically know that he's going to be weak. I'm sorry, he's going to be strong with strong against lightning. And I know he's going to be strong against swords. And so you can plan around that. And that's like, it's so cool that you can do that if you, you know, know what you're facing. The game is faithful to the Fire Emblem characters. They don't do anything weird and crazy like turn Krom into an axe wielder. They stick very, they strict strictly with the characters and what they really are and what they're sort of elemental alignment might have been hypothetically if they were not a magic user because you've got Krom and he's someone who would have potentially used a Leaven Sword. So we have Krom and Itsuki having lightning and sword abilities. It all it matches up and makes sense. And it is a very cool thing to add the fire elements system because they on top of the Tokyo Mirage sessions like the fire, lightning, ice, and those the sort of standard spells and the standard sort of weaknesses and strengths they have in those games they've on top of that they added the fire emblem weapon triangle with of course swords lances and axes and with those in there because of course there are also flying enemies and allies it's i love how it all fits together beautifully i i absolutely love it it this battle system is amazing and it can also work against you as well <laughs> trust me because i've yeah. definitely been k i've definitely like been KO'd a few times where it's just like, oh crap, I put this wrong person in the battle and now the enemy is going to, you know, be able to use their we- their advantages against me, which is like really cool. So when you actually jump onto the playing field, which is basically designed like a, like a stage, it even has like a crowd and everything. And you'll actually see like giant posters or not giant, like giant posters, but like giant screens and has your character's faces on them. And so if your character is going to be strong against something, they'll have like a, like a smile attack. Like I think, or not like smile attack, but uh, if your attack's going to be like effective against someone, I'll use um, Itsuki, for example, he'll be smiling and throwing up, throwing a, he throws up like a peace sign. And you're like, okay, I know that I can chain this attack with this attack. But if the character is weak, like he'll have some kind of like disapproving look and the entire screen, instead of being like this bright, vibrant kind of bluish color, it's like a red color. And it's like, oh wait, hold on now. I can't do that. And that's, that's really cool. It is a very visually appealing game. You, and it, this game, especially the Encore edition, just will let you just chain all of these very cool looking attacks together, including in, which is a new edition in Encore, letting some of your friends from the real world, your more associate people, just also chain attacks because out of nowhere, something that's new in this game. Oh yeah, Tiki can also attack. Your boss, Maiko, she can also throw in an attack now and then. It's like it's a nice little bonus just to see all these cool characters doing these cool things. I love it. It is a visually satisfying battle system on top of being a technically sound battle system. We've talked about the system, but uh, we haven't really talked about the characters yet. So I'm going to run through the cast of characters just right quick. And um, I'll tell you who their mirages are as well. So we have it's Itsuki, whose mirage is Krom. He's kind of our main character uh, throughout the game. Itsuki, huh? I, you you I, call him Itsuki. No, I don't. I don't. I don't. No, I just don't really remember this. I remember, like, I guess I had a 
person I was running around as. But I, I didn't think he was that important. Continue. Yeah, we have, uh, after that, we have the real main character of this game, uh, Subasa Urahibe, and her, I almost said persona. <laughs> <laughs> her performa uh, is uh, Sita, who is Marth's wife in uh, Fire Emblem Shadow Dragon. Uh, we have Toma, who's, I almost said it again, I almost said persona. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, performa is Kane, who is uh, one of Marth's loyal knights. He, he is our um, Power Ranger. Yes. He's amazing. Uh, here's my favorite character because she has the best Mirage, Eleonora, whose Mirage performa is uh, Virian. Uh, then we have Mamory, who has Drog, who's another one of Marth's. Uh, I think he's an armor knight in Marth's games. And then later on, we got Yashiro, who's, who's our last playable character, and his um, Mirage is Navar. And then wow. after that, we have. The, the yeah. disrespect of Kyria. I can't believe you. I was getting to her. Okay, all right, all right, all right. Actually, I wasn't because I didn't write her down. <laughs> <laughs> I should have just wrote. I should have just wrote Kawashi Tai in big letters, and I would have. I would have easily known who that is. But yeah, Kyria, who's one of the cooler characters as well, um, and she has Tharia, which um, yeah, I mean it, it works. Now after that, we have Maiko Berry who are original to this game, and then Tiki, who is kind of like a Vocaloid uh, character. And each one of these characters is actually following like a different dream. And Itsuki's job is to kind of like help them and support them and guide them through each one of their things. So like we mentioned, you said that Tomo was basically like our Power Rangers guy. And uh, it's very much like he's trying to become like a Power Ranger or a Super Sentai or a Kamen Rider, Ultraman, that type of like hero, which is really, <laughs> there's some amazing scenes with him. And, um, and so you kind of see him start off as like a lowly dude being on like this little, he basically, he's like doing like these little stage shows that are up in like this little rooftop garden. And then you see him actually get a job as being like a generic henchman. And then I'm sorry, I'm going to spoil this. Um, eventually he becomes the main star of a common writer, like series called mask Riger. And you're helping each one of these characters go through their own thing, except for, um, except for Yashiro and Kiria, cause they're already big stars, but you're kind of with them. You're actually kind of helping them, uh, expand on what they actually do. So Kiria, she's like, I usually only do this one thing where I'm calm and cool and collected, but maybe I want to try to do something cute too. So you have this whole story with her in a cat suit. <laughs> 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 I probably gonna laugh a lot. Cause thinking about this game really makes me smile. Yeah, um, I, her, her side story was fun. I, I, I genuinely like, dang it. I actually like the, the story of like, Oh, the tough girl who like, doesn't want to admit she likes cute things. Uh, dang it. It actually is getting to me. Dang it. Curse you game for making me like this sort of trope. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a, it's, it's a major trope fest, but it's, the only difference is that it's actually good. Yes. It, it oh, oh, this game does a lot of the tropes very well. I, I, you went through it. I love Toma's journey. I loved Kiria's journey. I enjoyed Eleanor's journey just to become a a better actress and try to expand her, what she's doing, trying to get things to come across uh, her what she's trying to feel inside to come across on camera. I I enjoyed most of these stories. Yeah, but there there is one that I wanted to talk about, but it, it's because to me I think it's kind of a big deal. 
and I didn't enjoy it. What the heck is Itsuki doing? Why is Itsuki here? Like, throughout the game, it's just like, Itsuki is just here to cheer people on, but just like, I, I would be, and I'm 100% okay with that. If it was just that, it'd be great, but they're also also saying, oh yeah, Itsuki, you also have to be a star. And like, our character shows zero interest or motivations to be like, or self-drive at all. His drive is to just help other people, and while that is great, I would love it if he was like, in the tactician stage manager role, but they keep saying, "Oh yeah, you're also going to be an actor. Your your ambition is also to be an actor and a singer or whatever." Just like, wait, what? Where's this coming from? Yeah, because he he goes to like the same like singing and dancing lessons that Subasa goes on. He even does like some acting stuff too. And when like when I'm thinking of like my JRPGs, I'm okay with like the main character like being there more as a support for the other characters, as opposed to having his own, like, personal drive to do certain things. Like, I, I'm thinking, like, even even Persona. Persona, like, the main characters do have motivation and drive and such, but, like, their main focus is to show the, the player the story of the other people. That is more important than their own personal story. But Itsuki, there is zero there for his personal story, and that that's the only thing I dislike. That's, that's why I kind of wish uh, Itsuki wasn't there and just Subasa was the main character. I mean, they do, for the most part, really treat Subasa more as, as of a main character. I mean, heck, like, out of all the Tokyo Mirage Eshin characters, you know, who's the one that represents them in Smash Brothers as a spirit? It, it's Subasa. Yep, she, she was like one, she was one of the first stickers they show, showed off. Yeah. Because she was the first evolving sticker they showed, I think. Yeah, so I mean, like, Subasa is amazing. Like, because you do see her kind of go from, like, this timid girl who's, she's basically a timid fangirl of Kyria through her entire journey from doing, like, her first song, and then she gets excited about that, and then she does another song, and then she does, like, a, she does a duet with Eleonora and a duet with um, Kyria, which th that's probably, like, the big thing for her is getting to do a duet with Kyria. Because that's who she started out idolizing, and now she's on stage with her performing a, a song, and I like her final song called uh, "Fly" is amazing. I absolutely love it. I think I like her first song a little bit more. The not flow, uh, but dang it, um, my brain. Feel? Yes, feel. That's right. I think I like feel a little bit more. Like I, I. I respect the songs in this game. I'm just not a huge fan of the sort of Japanese pop idol style of song, which is the predominant soundtrack of this game. Which I can I can recognize. Like I, I think it sounds good. It's not my personal taste, but it is good. But feel I thought was outstanding. I love all the music in this game. It's a complete earworm for me, especially <laughs> um, Yashiro, who's. He has that Yu-Gi-Oh! abridged thing. If you remember back in the day, whenever the character of Duke Devlin would show up, uh, the his beat would play for the beat would play for. Um, I'm bringing sexy back from by Justin Timberlake. So every time he would speak, like his music would play, and it's the same thing here. Anytime Yashiro's on screen, for the most part, his theme song called uh, "Black Rain" the instrumental for that's playing. And um, oh man, I could just I could gush about the music like because. 
Now I'm not gonna sit there and say, oh man, I listen to it all the time, but uh occasionally there's one that just it's just an earworm, it just gets in my ear. I just cannot stop listening to it. Another earworm that I kind of hate when it gets stuck in my head is the duet between Subasa and Eleonora. The da-da. It's like okay, that that's my earworm. I don't I don't even love that song, but I, I dang it, I I can't help but bop my feet to it, and it gets stuck in my head for way too long. I like. See the the cool thing about the songs though is that they're not just there for show; they become attacks as well. Oh yeah, you get super duper special attacks, which is what music videos basically that can absolutely yeah. destroy enemies and when they pop up on your screen because when you get a potential combo there's a chance that you'll be like hey do you want to play this music video which is also a bonus attack and can set off a new chain we'll give you an option between uh do you want to attack everyone and poison them or do you want to go for a healing thing it's like it the, the game gives you these super powerful things and i'm i'm just sitting there happily like thank you for giving me this super powerful blessing thank you game yeah, I think uh, I'm trying. To, do you have a favorite one of those? It, it's probably the uh, Subasa and Eleonora one, just because. Dang it, that song gets stuck in my head. I, I I'm thinking the same thing. It's between that or the Subasa and Kiria one. But another cool one is um, what's his name? Uh, it's Yashiro and Tomas. Or um, oh, that's a good one. Like that's like the last one you get. Also. Yeah, I think the weakest one in the game is um, Eleonora and Yashiro's. Was it like something alien? I was going to say that I thought Eleonora and Thomas was the weakest one because I just didn't like how that one looked. Yeah, that's not the best one. I, there's just, I, think the, I think with the alien one is that because eventually they go on a show together um, about one of them being an alien that she falls in love with. <laughs> play, play, the play the game. Just play the game. Yeah, play the game. <laughs> This is normal. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it's like, I'm a very, I never really found a situation in which that attack was ever really hand handy. For the most part, I just used it to uh, extend a combo. Oh, and also, you would occasionally get your regular attacks transform into special attacks. Because occasionally it'll be like, uh, Itsuki, do a lightning attack. And he's like, okay, I'm going to, uh, music video is going to play and I'm going to scream into a microphone and that'll be an electric attack now. Just a powered up version that because the music video just decided to do that. Or I'm going to use a shining finger sword to completely cut these enemies in half. Although, although I will point out that attack looks exactly like Alm's Sin Scale ability, which, <laughs> which this game came out in Japan in 2015. Echoes didn't come out until 2017. So I'm just saying, Alm, you may have stolen an attack from someone else. <laughs> There's so much about this game that I absolutely love that I can go into. Like I, I could complain a lot about Yashiro. He's our local edge lord of the game, and I, I didn't love how he's just like, okay, now I'm just on your team now. I thought that one sort of came out of nowhere in a not good way. I mean, he's. I mean, he's. There's the reason why he has Navar as his uh, mirage. Yes, I. I like. Yeah, he. I enjoyed his story. Oh, yeah, we've also got an entire subplot for the first half of the game where it's like, Tsubasa's like, yeah, my sister was kidnapped and disappeared in this theater years ago. I'd like to try to save her. You save her halfway through the game. And she uh, and the sister becomes, oh, I'm going to be your fetch quest person. 
just come to me whenever you want to do a fetch quest of some sort. Yeah, I was going to say, it's not even halfway through the game. It's like a fourth through the game. Because the intro's the whole thing where everyone went to this performance, then everyone like just vanished except for Subasa. She was like the only one to survive, I think. And one of the performers was Subasa's sister, who she's been looking for the entire time. Well, when the Idolosphere, which is the other world in this terms, and in this game's terms, starts to break into the real world, like you end up finding her almost immediately and then you save her in the very first dungeon. And it's just like, well, after that, you know, it's like you said, she kind of just becomes the person at the desk. that's just like, Hey, you got a brand new quest. And it just feels like that storyline kind of fizzled out way too quickly. Yeah. This game does have just a, a lot of little things that were just like, that's annoying. That could have been done a lot better. I would have liked for like the sister to potentially join the party or just, Rather than the sister to just be like, hey, I'm going to sit at the desk, not have any lines outside of, hey, I've got a new potential quest for you. Yeah. I mean, she does She does pop up in like some other cutscenes, but for the most part, she just kind of becomes a background character. It's just really weird because how important it seemed like it was at the very start. This game has, like, like, it's not a perfect 10 out of 10, but the characters that I like are ch- really charming. The world is a beautiful place. This music is really great. And if you love that, that idle sound, it is outstanding. But uh, there's. And then we. Oh, yeah. There's also like the mecha- mechanical parts of this game. I enjoy building new weapons and making them plus ones and plus twos and the, the, the little bits of crafting to it. That's also another amazing part about this game because you learn one of my favorite traits is like you learn some of your skills through your weapons. Like uh, in like a Tales of Vesperia, one of my favorite things to do is just like, I'm ju- I just want to keep learning weapons so I can learn new skills and just see how I can change my battle system up a little bit. And you can make it as complicated or as not complicated as you want, because you've also got Master Seals, which can evolve your Mirages into different classes, which can learn different weapons, which can learn different skills. And I love this game. Oh yeah, and then it'll also change the appearances of your um, of your mirages as well, and that's really cool too because they don't really get to. Unfortunately, like the mirages don't really get a lot of costumes to change into, unlike your playable characters. So now you can have like standard Chrome having, or I don't want to say like standard Chrome, but Tokyo Mirage standard Chrome looking, uh, kind of Wallheart like when you switch him over to the Conqueror class. Or you can have um, Virion look like something out of Evangelion when you switch him over to, I think it's the Sniper class. Yeah, man, I mean, like, you completely blew my mind with the weapons because I completely forgot about that. But yeah, because the weapons will also have, like, skills and stuff that are attached to them as well. And even after you get the standard one, like you were talking about with the plus ones and the plus twos, the plus ones might have different skills. And then the plus twos might also have different skills. Not that you actually have to go that high, um, but you can. Also good this game, because it's the Encore edition, they added new things, including an entirely new dungeon. And it, as a part of that dungeon, you get kind of another side quest involving uh, Tsubasa and Kiria. Tsubasa wanting to become more like Kiria. That, it, the story of it, it's kind of a repeat of what already happens in the game. But you get a cool new music video, and you get cool new costumes. And in that extra dungeon, I got the Joker costume, and it's like, okay, I know what Itsuki's wearing for the rest of the game. Yeah, I did the same thing. Because you get you get costumes for uh, Persona 5's Joker. Uh, you get a couple of Atari and Odyssey costumes. Uh, you get 
a couple of Shin Megami Tensei costumes. Not all, not all the costumes are that great. Um, uh, I will say, uh, like, Mamoru wore the Three Houses school uniform the entire game, also. <laughs> yeah, it's called the Three Houses school uniform, but it just makes her look like a nut because it dyes her hair that orangish-red color. I'm okay with that. It kind of, it kind of fits her character a little bit. Yeah, I mean, she's the axe wielder. She's the tank. Mm-hmm. And in Three Houses, I think I think Annette actually excels in magic, but her house weapon is... Well, it's an axe type of weapon, anyways. Looks like a meat tenderizer. You know, dragon bone. But, uh... Another thing about that EX dungeon is that you get to hear um, Kyria's, Kyria's voice actor sing Subasa's song, and then you hear Subasa's voice actor sing Kyria's song, which I was a little disappointed with that because they don't become, like, main attacks in the game. That was a dis- Yeah, that was a disappointment. And I will say something that... Just to spite me. Well, actually, you know, hold on. Let me let me go back to that. I will say their new music video that they have called She Is is also not any sort of attack in the game either. Uh, just a cool music video for you to have. That's, that's, that's it. Thanks for buying the Aqua Edition. Yeah, and you get, I mean, you get their costumes from that music video too, which is like, they're actually pretty cool as well. Um, but what I was going to say is that at the very end, um, actually, you know what? I forgot forgot what I was going to say. Tokyo Mirage Sessions is great, and you should buy it, because yes, I'm totally shilling for Tokyo Mirage Sessions. Um, I will say this game actually looks very, very good in handheld mode. I, I cannot comment. I didn't play it in handheld mode at all. Well, I actually took it out. I think I took it out, because I, I, for the most part, when it comes to the Switch, I play it docked, but I think I was out somewhere, because I, I don't even take the Switch with me that, that often either. But I just happened to have that game um, loaded up, and I guess because it was already kind of a game that was supposed to run in handheld in a handheld mode on the Wii U, like it transferred perfectly over here. Like it looks just as good on the TV screen as it does on the handheld mode, which you can't say for a lot of games. <clears throat> Xenoblade Chronicles 2. <clears throat> Listen, I love Xenoblade Chronicles 2, but that game looks horrid. Horrid in handheld mode. Yeah, that, that's probably around the time I was like, you know what, I'm just going to play Switch full time. In docked mode, there's almost no reason for me to have it in handheld mode. I can just keep playing 3DS games or games on my phone. But um, now that I'm thinking about it, once we're thinking about Tokyo Mirage Sessions, I want to say what was actually cool was that in the start of 2020, before Encore Edition came out, they actually added four of these characters to um, Fire Emblem Heroes. And... They've actually now started appearing on the Choose Your Legend event, I guess, fully certifying them as quote unquote Fire Emblem characters more than like Atlas characters. So I wonder um, for you, Cardwiz, what do you think the legacy of Tokyo Mirage Session is? You think it's like a just like a one time oddity or do you think there'll be a future game or what, what do you think? Sadly, I think it is just going to be a one time oddity. I'm. I am just thankful and really glad that the game, they didn't just leave it on the Wii U to die and be forgotten forever. I'm so glad they brought it to Switch. That's just, if that's as, it's probably as good as I'm, it's going to get, I'm sad. I think I'm okay with that. This was a, it's a neat experiment, which with the mashup of Tokyo Mirage Sessions, or mashup between Shimagami Tensei and Fire Emblem. When that thing was first announced, announced that yeah, we're working on a Shimagami Tensei Fire Emblem crossover, 
like almost a decade ago at this point. It's just like, how the heck is that gonna work? That's gonna be weird, but I guess it's gonna be cool. And like you have people being like, oh, it's going to be a Persona game with Fire Emblem characters, and it's just like, no, it's Shimagami Tensei and Persona are the same, but they're different. And just, this game turned out better than I would have expected, to be honest. My expectations were not sky high because my expectations were very confused. And then when I first saw the actual gameplay debut, I was still confused, but I liked what I saw because it looked pretty and it looked interesting and it is pretty and interesting. I'm glad this game experimental weird game exists. I, I honestly, I couldn't have said it better myself. Um, I think the legacy of this game is that on the, on the negative side, that it's kind of like a failed crossover in many ways because it's because it never delivered on that original pitch in a way that I think that both Shin Megami Tensei and Fire Emblem fans were going to find um, good. But on the flip side of that, I also think that this is just an amazing game. And if this turns out that it's only a, you know, a one-time thing that happens, I mean, that's fine. I'll always champion this game as being a really good RPG. Even if you're not a fan of Fire Emblem and you're not familiar with Shin Megami Tensei, I think it's still a really good game. And, um, yeah, um, I went to Twitter. I actually uh, had a response and I asked a question. I was just like, uh, what did you think of Tokyo Mirage Sessions? And um, Mutual of Mine at R2K Moon 2, also known as the openly black king of strong tiger style. Yes, he is uh, using the full, he's taking full advantage of Twitter's super long <laughs> display name character count. <laughs> yes, he goes, uh, he says, it looks good to me and I'm glad it gets love from the players even to this day. And I think that, I think that kind of sums it up pretty well. So I got one last question, Carter, was that I actually didn't even put down here since we're talking about legacy. Would you ever want to see some sort of like sequel or follow up to this game? Or would you rather them kind of go back to the drawing board for a, for a quote unquote real crossover between these two series? If they did another crossover, I would prefer that they started from scratch. Although, if, if they did a sequel, it would I would prefer it to be the style of sequel where it's just like, it's kind of in a completely different world with completely different characters. Or maybe it's the same world where it's just like, Itsuki's now running Fortuna, and he has a whole group of young people who he has to tutor. Because that would make sense for that character. But I, I don't expect to see a crossover but if they did that's what i would want sounds good to me so you and i were kind of mulling about this off um off air and so i'm going to ask you do you think there was a performer that was either missing from this game or like a performer that you would have liked to see now think but you have to remember that this is the context of 2013 where fire emblem awakening awakening is the latest game so there's no echoes no fates so um no three houses obviously is there a um, is there a final character you would have liked to have seen show up as a performer? Sticking with the premise of it just being from the one slash three and and from Awakening just being from those two games to fit into this world that they've built, the only person that I I would have liked to a character who I think is constantly not really done enough with I would have liked to see Lissa a little bit more because it's like she. Would have liked to see Chrome Sister in this because I get. Am I to presume she's dead in this timeline? Maybe she is because in this timeline, bad stuff happened to the Fire Emblem world. Spoiler alert for the story. 
Yeah, but say there's an interesting theory out there, and I only heard this, I want to say, maybe like a month or so ago, where like this game like takes place in the bad ending of FE12 slash 3. So if you're so inclined, uh, go go check that out, because it's just like, whoa, this entirely makes sense. That was Fargast, right? Yeah, I believe so. Gast, Fargast, Gas Station. He's always changing his name, but yeah. But yes, like with Crom, like a big thing for him is his family, and like it would have been cool to s- to see listen in this if somehow like with timelines and stuff, it could have been interesting to see <laughs> a Gangrel kill his older sister again, maybe in this Ooh. world. Ooh. Yeah, because they don't they don't interact at all. No, they don't. It's all the fire. All the Fire Emblem games, the premise of this is all the Fire Emblem characters have lost their memory and there's just sort of here that's kind of weird and disappointing but just like, okay I, I'm I'm going to take this on premise that you're more here as a skin almost. Yeah, that's kind of a disappointing thing because like, you know, you said you have Chrome, but you also have Tharia and Virian which Virian and Tharia do have supports together and Tharia and Virian can get together, or Tharja, sorry and Tharja and Virian can get together and have noir potentially, but like they don't know each other or anything. And Sita, and Sita is technically Krom's like great, 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 whatever, like grandmother. Yeah, I guess we sort of stumbled upon like, I, I guess a complaint can be like, you've got the Fire Emblem characters and they are these characters, but oh no, amnesia. Because we have to make it more appealing to the broad audience. Yeah, we can't really go deep into the characters, except kind of be like, I kind of know that guy. You get Kane, who is uh, Tomo's guy, and you have a quest where, like, he runs into Abel, who is the the green and red knight. The classic trope is like where they, you have a quest where they run into each other. Yeah, 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 and he he's actually the only one in that game. He's just like, no matter what realm I'm in, no matter what world I'm from, I will never forget him. I'm like, okay. That, that shows you the bond that they have. In the end, the Fire Emblem part is kind of just a skin. Like, the the way they incorporated stuff into, like, the battle system, I'm happy with. But in the end, the Fire Emblem stuff really feels more like a skin for Tokyo Mirage Session stuff. I, I get, But at, I still like it. I, it is still a good JRPG. It's just like, if you're expecting a Fire Emblem game, you're going to be disappointed. Yeah, yeah. Well, to circle back to my to my original question, though, we went off on a tangent. A fun yeah, tangent, we- by the way. It's all good. It's all good. Um, for a game that's about singing and dancing and idols and stuff, there's no one that's represented by the dancer class. And since the only Fire Emblems you can have here are from Marth's Time or Awakening, uh, Olivia from Fire Emblem Awakening or Fina from Fire Emblem 3, or the, the book two of Fire Emblem 3 specifically, it's like, you know, we know, we know, um, Maiko or M- Mako, whatever her name was, we know that she actually used to, um, be able to go into the Adolosphere and have a performa so much so that, that she even has a costume in this game where she joins in for a session attack, but we don't, we've never known like what her performer was. And it's just like, well, it could have been Veer or not, Ve- <laughs> um, it could have been Olivia or it could have been Fina. It's like, and there's no, like neither one of them are here. So I just had a point, but I'm trying to remember it. Dang it. Curse you memory. Cardinals were old. We are old. I, I one thing I, I wanted to just throw in there is just like a random, like, Oh yeah, this is also neat that it's in the game. 
when you run into shopkeepers in the real world, it's just like you might recognize a few of them as like, wait a second, you're Anna. I can tell you're Anna. Or you can run into the woman who sells a bunch of like your main accessories. She looks very much like oh, I can't remember which person. She kind of looks like the shopkeeper from Path of Radiance, but I don't know if that's the reference they were making with her. It's um, I think the one in Path of Radiance Rainy Dawn is Amy. And I think um, there's actually another one too. The person that sold this person in the item shop with like the orange hair. That's um, I think her name is Laloom from Fire Emblem Six. Weird cameos. Yes, there are. If for Fire Emblem fans, there are like random little things that there's like, wait a second, is are they referencing that really? Oh, okay, neat. The most obvious one though is um, the Liliana lookalike in the restaurant. I'm like, oh no, you hired her for your restaurant? <laughs> it, um, yeah. So, because this game doesn't have like traditional supports, it does have um, like a like each character has their own like sort of CBA quest. But unfortunately, those are like way, way, way too long to do for like a support. Otherwise, we'd be here for another thirty minutes just on like what's the equivalent of a C support. So, um. Cardwiz, I'm going to have you read out uh, Itsuki's level 40 Fire Emblem Heroes level up. And I have actually put that in the chat for you if you want to read that. You know, back in Fortuna, I was always worrying about what I could do for my friends. But after coming to this world, I think I finally found an answer in what you do, person who has summoned me. You've always there to look out for your friends. Always ready to take on whatever troubles come their way. Having someone like you around can make a world of difference. I want to be like that too. Thank you for helping me realize that. You have my support as long as I'm here. However long that is. Yeah, it's um it's not a great one, honestly. We I we've read we've read level 40 ones on here before that feel more have a deeper character meaning to them. And I think it more than anything just kind of shows how there's not much to Itsuki's character. Itsuki's character is I fight for my friends, and that's it. And we, well, and we wanted to choose Itsuki too because he's like the main, he's like the constant throughout the game. I and mean, we probably could have went with Subasa's or um, Eleonora's, but I was like, well, eh, let's just say that for a different time. Yeah, I, I want to complain about Itsuki more and how he doesn't have enough of a character to be worth being the main character. Yeah. I guess it's probably Subasa isn't the main character because then you'd have a main character who's weak to axes and arrows. That would not be good. But you uh, know what his card was? What's good? That we have finally, and I mean finally, reached the end of Path of Radiance. Chapter 26 clash. Ike has reunited with King Canagus and King Tibarn, who bring tools for the showdown. But first, Ike must travel through Fort Pinel and Nado's castle. I have no idea if I'm pronouncing half of those things right. Oh well. But in the meantime, Ashnard and the Black Knight are discussing the now equally sized army. Ashnod believes the Black Knight is considering betraying him. Gasp. 
The Black Knight would never do such a thing. The Black Knight is loyal to someone, maybe, I think. I don't know. We'll find out in Radiant Dawn eventually, maybe. I don't know what the sentence means. End has been captured by Pat Patrine's men. Oh, Ina, the character. Oh, Ina, stupid autocorrect. <laughs> yeah, Ina's been cap Ina's been captured, and um, we actually hear something interesting that whenever Ina's near Rajon, or I think that's how his name is pronounced, which is uh, Asnard's wyvern, the wyvern starts growing restless. Hmm. <laughs> Intent, maybe, maybe. Hmm. <laughs> and Asnard admits he doesn't care what happens to her. No, the evil king is doing evil things. That's not very fair. He's being mean to the pretty young girl. That makes him even worse than before. Gasp. Ike says that he will lead most of the army to take on the larger fort, while Tibarn will lead the other will lead on to hold on to the other one. I made a I made a side note here. I don't remember what it is because this is note is from like six months ago. I had a note that says the Ash, the Astrid and Gotri A support is not great. So I need to remember that for the future. Here there's a support log for that. Maybe. Yeah. Um, I have listed here that um, Alencia finally suits up for battle using a Pegasus belonging to her great-grandmother. And we also yeah. learned that she was trained at a very young age to fight and ride in case she ever needed to fight. Oh yeah, it's not like we're five-sixths the way through the game and we finally get another unit who has been with us the entire time. Just about. Yeah. It's uh, almost, it would be as dumb as if we had some sort of secret powerful weapon that we had with us the entire time. We didn't decide to use it to like the last couple of ma maps. Oh yeah. She huh. also has a special weapon that has unlimited use. The, uh, I think it's called the Amity or Amity. And I think it's basically a, I think it's like a brave sword for, for the most part, but she is a very weak character in terms of her strength stats, so there's not a lot of enemies that you're actually going to be using with her. I believe she's been referred to as the Est archetype character in this game, where she has amazing growth skills, but because she comes so late in the game, like you're not going to be able to really get her up like that. So yeah, and also she's basically becomes a lord too, so you lose her, GG, game over. Yeah. So that's another vulnerability you have on your map. But she does have the ability to use staves, though. So she is she is uh, useful as a backup healer. We arrive at the map where we're facing someone named General Bartram. This General Bartram has a speech problem. He likes to hiss and says his S is like a snake. He also has a noticeably green mustache. Hmm, I wonder. Hmm. He also had some fun dialogue when you confront him on the map where he says, I will eat your souls. Perish. Perish. Ah. Arelis. Ah. Yes, yes, yes. Lots of S's with him. We'll figure out... Actually, no, we won't. <laughs> we yeah. don't figure out his deal. We don't figure out his deal until Radiant Dawn. <laughs> no, that was... He was just kind of like, you're just a weird guy. Let's just move past you and ignore you and pretend you didn't happen. At the end of that map... General Bryce accuses Ashnard of dividing forces so that Crimea can make it to face him. I can't believe he would accuse the great King Ashnard of doing that. And also, Tibard informs us that the Black Knight is ahead in the castle. Chapter 27. Moment of Fate. 
Titania asks Ike to finally tell her about what happened the night Grail died. And it's not, if, if I remember this correctly, it's not even something like where she's nice about it either. I think her dialogue is very much of a, you need to tell me what happened right now. Mm-hmm. She, she's been given Ike his time, given Ike his space, but she needs to know. Yeah, about to say, because as we established before, she absolutely loved Grail with all of her heart. You know, we go back to that scene. I want to say it's post chapter seven, post chapter seven or eight, where she's literally like in a forest crying by herself at night. That still sticks out to me as one of the best Fire Emblem moments from the games I've played. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, she basically wants to know everything. And uh, Ike tells them everything. My notes are pretty scarce um, from this map. Uh, yeah, my my notes are six months old, so I barely re- remember them. So I'm not able to el- really expand on the rough notes that I wrote down. So this is yeah. going to be an interesting episode. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Titania is able to properly grieve, and Ike reveals that, oh yeah, he has the he just happens to have the sword that can hurt the Black Knight's armor. Has it? We got this, what, chap? We, we've had it for like 20 chapters. Yeah. But Titania says that if Ike needs to run, then he should run. Hint, hint. Good job at hinting at something in the gameplay. Thank you, game. Yeah, because it's not guaranteed that you'll actually be able to hurt the Black Knight, i.e. me. We'll talk about that in a second. Yes. During the War Council, Mist calls Ike away, and Elincia feels faint. Quote, faint. Lindsay is so nice, just letting Ike sneak off out of meetings to just talk to his sister. Miss tells Ike how she hasn't slept and how she's been feeling about how she's been feeling about her father and his truth, because now she knows some of the stuff that's been going on. I think. Been a while yeah. since I've played this. <laughs> yeah, me too. I just, just put like, Ike and Miss talk. Man, my vague notes are not paying off for me right now. They would totally would have paid off back in April. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, they have a um they have a conversation. She's like, you know, I will I will fight with you. And I believe Ike is pretty much telling her, like, no, no, you won't. I have to sell things with the Black Knight myself. And then uh I believe after this, Alinti and Bastion also have a a conversation as well. After the Herald, or whatever his name is defeated, Ike storms in on his own. If and if she's alive, if Miss joins in tow. Soren wants to join, but Titania won't let him follow. And we get our final confrontation that it feels like the game has been building up to this entire time. Ike versus the Black Knight. One will live, one will die. Maybe. Kind of. Sort of. And one of the cool parts about this game, and the first time I played this, when I wasn't using a guide, I didn't know this. You can just lose this this fight. This final confrontation you're building up this entire game, one of the biggest parts of Ike's motivation to get stronger, to defeat the Black Knight, he can lose. And the story will continue. You can just manage to not defeat the Black Knight. And I most certainly did not defeat the Black Knight because um, he showed up, I went to confront him, and he instantly looned me twice, killing me instantly. And I had to redo the castle map and this fight. I, I failed as well. I... I failed the time limit. I would have been able to, I think I was like one turn away from defeating the Black Knight, but just like I, I ran out of time. And I was so frustrated. I could have restarted, but it's just like, that's part of going to be my Ike's journey. My Ike didn't defeat the Black Knight. 
Well, one of the things here is that if you proc Aether a couple of times, you'll be fine. But I never procced Aether once. And I and I have it because I got it early with the occult scroll. But yeah, if you don't proc Aether, like you're you're pretty much screwed. But one of the, but another cool thing about this fight is that if your mist is alive, which mine isn't, she'll actually join you in the fight too. And I, I just for some reason I just think that that's so amazing that you know, a lot of times in games and Fire Emblem, it's just like, oh, well, this character has wronged this character in a certain way. And despite the fact that other characters are also directly related, it always come down to the 1v1. But the fact that Misk says, no, I'm showing up and I'm fighting with you, and there's nothing you can say otherwise, I always thought that was really cool. It's a very cool thing. It's unfortunate that she's there to draw attention away from the people who are the reinforcements, but my miss wasn't strong enough to deal with them on her own, so I had to have Ike take care of the reinforcements for a turn, leading to Black Knight ending up surviving. But dang, dang it, missed. But it, it's yeah, it's it's unfortunate. Yeah. What once the turn limit has passed, that's the story I'm going to go with because I don't have I didn't feed up something. Ina shows up, and ah, the Black Knight tells Ina that she should have escaped. Ina says that her wish was to be beside her beloved, and her last words are, if you've seen us here, tell him that Ina is sorry. Ina is struck, but gasp, she's still breathing. Nasir arrives to fight and manages to stagger the Black Knight so he can't move as the castle collapses. We have saved Ina and are back in the camp. We learn that Nasir was her grandfather. So all the weird, like, betrayal things and all that was happening was because that, uh... Nasir was her grandfather. And we, Ike says that Nasir helped us enough that he didn't think Nasir as a true enemy. So that's nice, I guess. And, and if you put two and two together, you now know that Nasir was a dragon the entire time. Which I actually you know what? He actually transforms during this, yes. I believe. I believe he does, yes. Yeah, okay. And in End reveals, aka Ina, Ina reveals where the Heron Princess is being held. Chapter 28, Twisted Tower. Well, the game is rubbing it in that we didn't manage to defeat the Black Knight. Thanks a lot, game. Don't make me feel bad or anything. Ah, well, it turns out the Heron Princess is being held in Gritznia Tower. We go at daybreak. Turns out it's being held, and the person in charge is this creepy magic-looking guy. Hojo. Who's named... Yeah. Hojo from Final Fantasy VII. <laughs> his name is Izuka and he keeps saying wee and he is a creepy guy dear lord this guy's creepy yeah he's Hojo yeah I just, I just put Hojo slash Izuka because <laughs> he's, <laughs> he's, he's very much especially if you played Final Fantasy 7 remake and you've seen Hojo and how he acts in that because I, pl- I was playing that when I was playing Path of Radiance I was just like oh dude the parallels are so <laughs> are, are just there I'm just like yeah yeah. And aka Ina tells that Dane gives Lagoo's foul potions to warp their true shape. In the end, it says there are 30 Lagoos from all tribes in this tower. Ooh, creepy, creepy, poisoned animal person tower. This is not going to be a fun map, potentially. Ah, and it looks like the Heron girl has been taken by the guard. But wait a second, who is that guard? That's a mysterious guard who has taken her. Oh no, it's Nasala. Nasala, you son of a gun. We learned this on turn two of the map. Turns out Nasala, we're seeing more of Nasala's own motivations. Nasala's just like, yeah, I'm, I am taking care of the Heron Princess. 
no matter what. That's my deal. Sala, whose side are you on? And will we find out in this game? Probably not. No. Maybe. Kinda. Sorta. After we take out a couple of dragons, or uh, yeah, a couple of the dragon lagoons, it turns out, Nasala reveals that he is the one who has Leanne with him. We go to the dungeon and the tower and find the room of corruption that Ina said was used by the lagoons. Astronaut selects his men by having them fight the lagoons, it turns out. That's how he selects some of his best soldiers, because he's a bit of a jerk like that. Yeah. It's basically, I think it's described by some of the other characters as a Lagoose torture chamber, and it's filled with Lagoose corpses. So basically, they just kill them and throw them down to this basement. And the implication is that it smells because dead bodies obviously emit a horrific odor. Yes. The, the characters just go into like how horrific it is that this place exists and how it looks and how it smells. And it's, I, I greatly enjoyed that the vivid descriptions that they give. Because you only have a kind of like a still image on screen and you just see like some blood on the walls and I think some blood on the floor and it's dark ish. So you don't really get to see like bodies and actually you might see a body. I can't remember. Once we leave that tower, the end asks us to join the army. <laughs> and I'm just going to picture Ina as the end from now on, just with a sniper rifle and a wheelchair and a long beard. And a bird. Oh, yeah, the bird. I forgot about the bird. Yeah. My better. A soldier tells Ike that the soldiers want to keep fighting after the last battle. What, does, what do I mean by this? A soldier. Okay, I think I know what I meant by this. A soldier tells Ike that the soldiers want to keep fighting after the, the last battle. They just want to keep fighting, probably Lagoos, I think, or Dane soldiers, just so they can get more promotions. Well, it's more or less that. You know, they've been fighting for like a year now and they're soldiers. So it's kind of like this problem of, you know, what happens when peace is here? You know, where where does a soldier's place, um, what does a soldier's place in the world when the world is a peaceful world, which is uh, Gundam Wing, Endless Waltz. And so, yeah, he's they're having a kind of like a talk about that, if I remember right. Yes. The, the game actually addressing like some of the horrors of war and not just the horrors of war. Like you've seen games talk about the horrors of war. This game is actually going to like, yeah, what about after the war? This ain't going to end happily just the second we beat the bad guy. The game is just straight up telling us that the world is not going to be a good place after we win. And I love it. Just Gundam Wing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, many references, so many references this episode to other pieces of media. <laughs> <laughs> What's a Gundam? I don't know. The only giant oh, mean, robot I acknowledge are from 13 Sentinels. You mean the Gandam, the Transformer? Oh, Transformers, like the Megazord. Let's move on. End game. Preparation. Her retainers encourage Alencia to speak with the troops, while Ike is also encouraged to speak to the troops as well. We get... It is time for the final battle. We get long, heart-wrenching speeches from Alencia and Ike telling them about what's been going on and what to look forward to. It is quite wonderful to see these speeches and see the, the two different, we get the Royal perspective and we get the mercenary version of the speech. Uh, it's a very wonderful moment in this game. Another highlight. Yeah. We thought about reading them out, but just like, well, the speeches are kind of long and we didn't know how long this episode might go. So we decided not to read them, but 
if you're ever uh, playing this game or you're on uh, Serenus Forest, you can actually look up the game script for it yourself. Asnard gives his own own little uh, talking points, including a quote that I thought was worth writing down. If I am destroyed, let Dane be destroyed with me. Hint, hint, wink, wink. The world is not great after the game. I put here, Ashnard refuses to leave. Um, I, put, I put promoting, I think it may be... Yeah. I wrote something really messy here. So I'm going to read the sentence. It's probably not going to make sense, but I wrote, Ashnard refuses to leave, promoting... Bryce to say he'll defend Ashnard since he's the last of the day in bloodline. Probably should yes, be I, promoting. I, I wrote uh, so, something similar. Like Bryce says that he will stay by Ashnard's side. After all, he was his father's retainer. And then Ashnard just admits something that will absolutely surprise no one. Oh yeah, I killed my father. And Bryce was like, I guess I'll stay anyways, I guess. Oh, he didn't just kill his father card was he killed his entire family line. Like yeah. Ashnard, I think it's revealed in Radiant Dawn. Sorry, a little bit of spoilers there for a 2007 video game. Um, Ashnard's like the 16th. Ashnard would have been like the 16th in line and he's like, not even like the main branch. I think he's like a very side branch of the family. Yeah. I think it's in this game where it's just like, yeah, like 16 or 17 people had to get sick and die to, for Ashnard to be king. But He's our king and he's great now. It's kind of like in like, cause you and I are both, you know, from the U S it's like, I think the lowest like totem pole might be like the minister of transportation. And I think like, you know, all the other government officials above that person would have to get sick or pass away or et cetera for that person to actually become the president of the United States. It's pretty much the same here, except Ashnar took a murder route. Uh, it is at last time for the final battle and i uh, i kind of had i ha i hadn't had any deaths in a long time in my game since like chapter 23 i sadly lost my boy racing in this battle sorry oh. i lo lost my dancer i lost Khalil in this battle because i accidentally I, I put her one square in front of a dragon no yeah i literally missed her because I want to say there's something it could, it could just be my TV, but the grass was a little hard to see. And I think that's why I ended up messing it up. But Ashnard's like full forces are here. You've got knights and generals and uh feral red dragons. It's, it's a hard map. Oh yeah. For, I, well, I was struggling to keep my people alive. There were like five times in this map where I had people just like barely live including Alencia. I was just like, why did I even feel the Alencia? I don't think I even needed to feel the Alencia. Why did I do this? It's kind of funny because I, in the back of my mind, as I'm charging up towards Ashnard, because Ashnard's in the center, it's in the, in the very dead center in the very back of the map. And he's just like, come at me. Eventually I reached a point after, you know, going through people and keep people alive and have people almost die. And then I think, uh, there's one Royal Lagoos that will join you. And I think I chose to barn. Because he's, I think, the best. Yes, you get to choose between uh, Tabarn, Nasala, or not. Uh, not not Kanegus. I isn't it like his number one guy? Giz right yeah, I think it's him. Okay, yeah. You get to choose between those three, and I picked uh, Nasala because he he's a very nice guy, and we we like Nasala, right? Right. No. Oh. Uh, 
He's he's kind of worked against us a lot, actually. Oh man! But yeah, so anyways, I'm I'm taking down these enemies. I'm going up to Ashnard. I actually have the stairs somewhat surrounding, so I'm just like, uh, what I was saying was, I'm thinking in the back of my mind. Okay, I know Ashnard moves, and if you click on him, he has a movement range. I'm like, okay. I'm going to snake my way up here, make sure I got Ike healed. And I'm like, I'm setting up for all these different moves and whatnot. And then Ike activated Aether and defeated him. <laughs> and he never moved. And yeah, the, this final boss doesn't move. Here's the thing. Um, despite the fact that Ashnard has the Fire Emblem in his hand, he does not go berserk with it on anything but hard. And I'm on like the normal difficulty. So. I did like three turns worth of preparation for heals and warps and all that other stuff for absolutely nothing. <laughs> we have defeated the Mad King Ashnard. He is down, and we get our we get a moment with the end saying, "I was mistaken. You are truly mad. Even so, I wanted to be near you. If I could have been near you, it would have been all right." And she goes up to Ashnard's dragon buddy. Gasp! Ashnard's mount is still alive. And, and the end hugs it and says, Orajion. It turns out Ashnard's mount used to be a Laguz, but it's been driven mad by the Mad King and his mad poisons and being a jerk and all sorts of stuff. And so Ash Ashnard sub subjugated a, the Dragon Prince, the High Dragon Prince, to be his own personal mount. Yeah, Ash Ashnard's a jerk like that. Yeah, it's, it's kind of messed up. And the thing is, is like, you see Ina throughout the game and you you see how loyal she is to Ashnard. So when she says that line, oh, I just wanted to be the closer to the one I love, it's pretty it's pretty easy to think, oh, because she loves Ashnard, despite how twisted he is. No. No. She's in love her her fiance is Rajon, or whatever his name is. And that's why she always wants to be close to Ashnard, because Rajon is with Ashnard. And it's like, oh, I get it. So what happens here is that um Lu uh, shoot, what's your name? Leanne. I almost said Luis, but that's not even the same character. Uh, Leanne and Rayson end up singing the one of the gladders. I want to say is it Rebirth? Mm -hmm. I can't remember, but they sing they sing their song and it like turns him back to normal and like he ends up reverting back into a human esque form and he ends up passing right then and there. Which I don't know. I it kind of bothers me because this happens right here and now when it doesn't feel, it doesn't feel like it was the place for this because I think it takes away from the Vic. It takes away from the celebration of both Ike and Alencia's victory celebration by having this small little side thing happen right here, right now. This game doesn't want you to be happy. The game wants you to wallow in the miseries of war. Congrats, you won, but this other person that kind this other person kind of died too, I guess. On the plus side, Miss has the medallion back. Yes. So glad to know that uh nothing bad will happen with that ever again. Never ever again. Epilogue. Ike has a moment with each surviving member of the army. <laughs> yeah, I might have had a couple of deaths in mine. I think I don't I think I did okay. I've only only lost like eight or nine people. Yeah, I only lost a handful of people too. The cool thing about this is that you actually get to see Ike basically say goodbye to like everyone. And 
what I find interesting is that, you know, it's not just one by one by one. It's like, oh, if these characters were affiliated with each other, like Tormod and um, I forget what the Tiger Lagoos guy's name was. Um, is it Miriam? Miriam? Yes. Yeah, Miriam. So like Tormod and Miriam will say their goodbyes together and other characters will say their goodbyes together. And I thought that was kind of cool. Mm-hmm. I don't know why I made note of this, but I wrote down that Miss never learns the uh, the Gladrel. Gladrer. Yeah, she doesn't. In this game, I don't think she learns the fact that the song that she hums and that hums towards it is the thing that, uh, well, I don't know if anyone's actually going to play Radiant Dawn. Do, do we want to want to mark this as a spoiler? And just say it. Yeah. If, uh, if, if they, gonna... they probably know a little bit about Radiant Dawn, at least. Yeah, yeah. The song that Mist actually hums is the song that basically keeps... Um, the goddess locked in the medallion. It's not, she's one of the few people in the world that can ever actually touch that medallion without going insane or mad. And the song was actually taught to her by her mother. So that's why, that's why Miss actually never learns right here anyways, uh, of what the deal with the medallion actually is. But on to the, the last two, the last part about this is that, you know, Ike, is actually back wearing his normal clothes again. And Atlantia is back in her regular dress and she's sitting on the throne and, you know, she's wondering like, can I do this? I'm, I'm really unsure of myself. And then Ike basically says, Hey, when I did this, I was no better off than you. And now look at us now. And then they, they hold hands as they walk off into the light together to face the people of Crimea. And, um, that's the end of fire emblem path of radiance. The only other notes I have are just like little lore notes, but the game was sort of in an autoplay moment, so I couldn't write on all the notes I wanted to. I was like desperately writing down notes, including like the apostle is a descendant of Altina, who Altina was one who founded Binyan, and Altina was one of the three who beat the Dark God. It's like desperately trying to write my notes quickly because it's like there's lore here, important lores. Yeah. I, it's why my ending it's why my ending notes are very like non-existent just for the simple fact that you know everything's going either super fast or super slow and I can't write and you can't and you can't freeze it either so it is what it is and that is um that's path of radiance so mm-hmm. after after all of this what are your final thoughts on path of radiance it, it's it's probably the it's the it's the best fire emblem story that's what I think it is. I, I've still never played a mystery of the emblem or, uh, ah, crud, my brain just went blank. I've never, I've never played, uh, the one that everyone says is the best story, genealogy of the Holy war. Yeah. I'm, but for me, this is the best fire emblem story. If you're going to play a fire emblem game for the story, this is the one to play. I greatly enjoy it. I love so many of the characters. Ike is a fantastic protagonist. I mean, there's a reason. There's a reason why Ike is like the most popular lord even to this day. Like they recently had, I want to say it may have been Famitsu or another Japanese gaming magazine that was asking, "Hey, who's the most powerful? Who's the most popular Fire Emblem lord?" And Ike's number one, despite being from one of the lowest selling games in the series. And obviously, Smash has something to do with that. But you know, I I don't know if you wrote yours down, but when it goes through the credits, it's, it gives you like your top five units throughout the game with the most skills. My top five were Astrid, Gatri, Soren, Ike, and of course, number one, Titania, my girl. 
I want to say, I don't remember all of them, but I remember my number one was Oscar and my number two was Jill. Two characters. I got killed. Actually, I think, uh, Kane might've been number three. He was definitely in the top five. I'm trying to think who else. Ike had been number four, maybe. And number five, I, I can't remember. It's been too long. I, I didn't write down the characters that died either. Uh, I'm, I'm so glad we played this. For for the future, in case... I don't remember if we said this on a previous podcast from whenever we recorded the last one, but we will not be doing the emblem support part of this as a podcast anymore. We Instead, we want to focus more of our gameplay stuff and have that more on Twitch, the Twitch side of things. And it's not because we don't enjoy, it's not because we don't enjoy playing through the games. It's just that it takes a long time. And I think Path of Radiance kind of killed us with um, how many notes it has with its lore and this character and that's interaction because we were geared up. I was just like, oh yeah, I guess after we do this, we're going to be doing Awakening, right? And you were all for it and I was all for it. But then after playing this, I was just like, God, it adds so much more to having to stop, play this. And then on, on my part, it's, you know, another 30 to 40 minutes, uh, editing wise. And so we decided like after this one, we probably won't be doing a talk through playthrough. That'd be better to, uh, move that kind of stuff to Twitch. I think that about wraps it up. I'm trying to think if there's anything else. Um, I think that's it. Card was, um, sorry. It took so long to get this episode out. You know, things happen, but, uh, we're back. We're getting back in the swing of things of recording, and uh, I'll hope you'll look forward to our next episode. Now, with all that said, you can follow us on Twitter at Planordo, at KD Corley, and at our t- Twitter account for the podcast at Emblem Supports. With all that said, chapter complete.